Um, I mean, for the game, yeah, it was ruined in one play, but for it's a fantasy show about you can't really take too much from the Super Bowl and put that into fantasy implications. But Isaiah Pacheco looked great. He's getting a lot of work in that offense, and I think he's their best running back. So he'll be something to monitor for sure heading into the offseason. Um, and Juju, I mean, led the team in targets and catches. I I don't see why they'd get rid of him. Maybe not keep him as their number one. Maybe they bring in a better option like DeAndre Hopkins, but I could see him remaining on the team and filling a role. It's hard to predict that receiving core. Not a lot of big names are circulating over free agency, and I don't think they feel enticed to make a addition, um, especially seeing the success that Patty had with the makeshift receiving core this year. Sky Moore found the end zone. Kadarius Tony found the end zone. It, it's a those everybody's young there. Juju's only twenty six. Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, both under twenty five. I think. Like if I'm going to go on a whim here, I'm going to say that it's going to be more more of the same next year from that receiving core. Some big games from everybody throughout the season, but nobody sticks as the dominant alpha male receiver. I hate betting on Chiefs games because like touchdown score props are just thrown out the window. Like anybody will score on any given day. Creed Humphrey. Yeah, and it pisses me off because I'll lay like Jarek McKinnon anytime touchdown score and it's like oh yeah this guy had eight receiving touchdowns over the last six weeks of the season um he's bound to find the end zone and then he doesn't find it in favor of two guys that are sitting at plus two thousand and (laughs) really frustrating from a gambling perspective exactly let's hop into it um so today we're going to cover the bounce back candidates for the 2023 fantasy football season these are guys who have built success and rapport as fantasy stars before in their career. However, after a abysmal or let down 2022 season, these are guys that we expect to, to progress instead of regress and bounce back in a big way. Should I start with my first guy? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I feel like we kind of have to start with him. It, Jonathan Taylor is the elephant in the room with this topic is the RB one in 2021 the leading scorer among all running backs and this past year dealt with a recurring ankle injury missed the better part of seven games finished as rb34 in 2022 uh so he only played in 10 games fully healthy four of them he was a top 12 running back a rb1 three of them he was an rb2 and three of them he was a bust scored less than seven points and that's after subtracting that one game against minnesota where he only played what was it? One snap? You watch the game. Was it the first play or the second play of the game? He he was in for two plays, touched the ball on the second play, got a 13-yard reception and went out. Yeah, so I feel like that's not fair to account for in his fantasy analysis yeah. of this past year. So I excluded that. Um, but still, even excluding that game, it wasn't pretty for the number one overall pick in most leagues this past year. He averaged 20.8 points per game in 2021 compared to 13.1, quote-unquote, clean points per game, uh, accounting for that injured game. So that's a difference of 7.7 points per game year over year. His efficiency went down. He averaged 1.28 fewer yards per touch than he did the year before, 
and this is where his money was made in 2021, he touched the ball 90 times in the red zone, scored 14 touchdowns off those 90 touches this past year, almost slashed in a third, 34 red zone touches, only three touchdowns inside the 20. What contributes to that exactly? An abysmal offense, quarterback turmoil as well. Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles all started multiple games for Indianapolis this past year. I expect Jonathan Taylor to rebound, regain his health. I think he had an offseason surgery of some sort already. Um, but regardless, I just assume the doctors know what they're doing and he'll heal, be a 100% participant next year. So his health and offense will rebound to the mean. It doesn't even have to be above average. It just has to be an average offense for Jonathan Taylor to make a huge dent in the fantasy landscape. He still touched about 22 times per game. He's a workhorse back there. Huge opportunity, good offensive line. I'm expecting the number one pick from this past year to rebound to a first round caliber pick. So do you think that the Colts aim to bring in a veteran like Carr or Rogers, or do they draft and start over with CJ Stroud or. I think I they think... draft. Um, I, they have to have a top 10 pick, although they do. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I think they're like seven or eight. If I recall correctly, sure what number they are, but I know that in a lot of mocks, they're taking guys like Levis or Stroud or whoever, whatever quarterbacks available at that time. Yeah. I could see I've seen a lot of Levis to the Colts, uh, mm -hmm. those in mocks. And I would guess that's the way you want to build your team for the future. You have a young superstar running back. You have a couple young cornerstones on your line. Quentin Nelson, uh, their center, Josh Kelly and Michael Pittman. You know, there's a lot of young stars around uh, the quarterback in that offense. And I think, I'd go youth personally if I was a general manager. I wouldn't rent out another one-year rental like they did with Matt Ryan. You saw how that went for them. I agree. I think that they draft a young quarterback, um, and I do think that this benefits Taylor. Um, I think that they'll look to lean on him more as they don't fully trust Stroud or Levis or whoever comes in as a rookie and uh, takes over the role as the quarterback there. I think that we'll see 20-plus touches per game again from Taylor. And without all these injuries hampering him combined with the terrible quarterback play, poor old line play, um, I, I really think that we'll see Taylor take off again this year. I agree with the bounce back analysis. Um, he's still involved in the receiving game, even this year in limited capacity, uh, missing a lot of games. Still at 40 targets, which is only 11 less than he had in 2021. Um, so that's a big uptick per game in targets. So you'd really like to see him get more involved in the receiving game as long as you're playing PPR. Um, it's really surprising to see that he was that close to his RB1 performance in targets as he was this year. So here we go. 16 days ago, Jonathan Taylor had a successful ankle surgery. Arthroscopic debridement. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but basically they go in there and they scrape out all the broken up scar tissue and cartilage. And they said that it's been building up for years. And Jonathan Taylor himself says it's cleaned out. Um, he'll be 100% by training camp, it looks like. And yeah, so injury questions shouldn't carry into next season. I'm going to move on to my guy, if that's all right. 
Um, my favorite bounce back candidate for this upcoming season is Calvin Ridley. Um, he's still in the NFL. He still exists, still on a team. He did get traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars, as most of you would know. Um, he did not play in the 2022 season, suspended uh, due to gambling. I don't really know the full story. All I know is that he really hurt me um, the previous year where he played five games and then set out the rest of the season due to depression. Um, hope the man is all well. In the year before that, wide receiver four finish in 2020, 1,400 yards. Julio Jones was not there for the majority of the season. Um, we have, I think it was an eight-touchdown season from Ridley there. He's averaged seven touchdowns per season in the NFL, excluding his 2021 um, sit-out season. And that huge season that we saw Ridley pop off, it was with an it was with an old Matt Ryan, an aging Matt Ryan. So we've seen him with poor quarterback play. That was not Matt Ryan's peak. I think going to a situation in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence really emerging as a star, that team in need of an alpha. No hate to Christian Kirk, but I don't think that he fills that role. I do think he's an exceptional wide receiver too. Great compliment to an alpha wide receiver, which I think Ridley will fill that role perfectly. He's a red zone threat. He's one of the best receivers I've seen with his route tree. He's always open. He's got a quick release off the line. Um, and I know people look at his 2021 season and they're going to fear what he may do in Jacksonville um, because it has such a bad rap when he did play in his five games. Um, he only had two games under 14 points. Now, that's not great. One was a 15-point game, one was a 14-point game, and then one was a 20-point game where he managed to find the end zone. Um, I think that that season, those, that small sample of games gets a bad, bad rap for what it really was. It was not terrible. It just wasn't living up to where you drafted him. And then him sitting out, that just put a bad taste in your mouth afterwards. So a lot of people are going to hate Calvin Ridley. I could see him falling into the fourth round even. And that's just, I think, an absolute steal. You're getting a wide receiver one at wide receiver two, if not three value, depending on how you draft. I'm excited for him. Uh, in 2021, fifth in route win rate and third best win rate against man. Now that was the season that he did sit out. However, in that five-game sample, those are some great statistics to kind of back up what I was saying about how it wasn't as terrible as what people make it out to be. I'm really confident in him heading into the 2023 season. So I got a couple thoughts about Calvin Ridley. First of all, I agree with you. You have to throw out his 2021 season. It does get a worse connotation to it than it actually was. It wasn't horrible, but obviously you're pissed off. You only got a third of the season out of him. Um, so when evaluating Calvin Ridley, you really have to look back to 2020. And he was the dominant receiver in Atlanta. That's even with Julio Jones, he, who played nine games that season. So Julio was out for seven games, but Ridley was dominant throughout the season. He had eight games with 100 yards, um, finished the season with nine touchdowns, Very one of the best fantasy rece receivers of that year. Um, I believe he was wide receiver four, like you mentioned. But I disagree with you about Christian Kirk not being an alpha receiver in Jacksonville. I think he is. I think he's the lead receiver. I mean, you saw he, he led the team in all receiving categories this year. He was a top 12 receiver for fantasy football. He was continuously the weekly leader in targets, 
in yards. You saw how he jumped out of the gate. Um, I think they are different kinds of receivers. Christian Kirk is a very vertical slot receiver, whereas Calvin Ridley, on the other hand, he's you said his route tree goes all over the place. So I think there's room for both to make the damage or some damage, but I, I view Calvin Ridley as a better Zay Jones this year. Zay Jones, good season for wide receiver two in Jacksonville's offense. Um, you know, the first year with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, who's a wide receiver 26 on the year. I think Calvin Ridley, I, I see Christian Kirk outperforming Calvin Ridley in fantasy football. I do see both of them being top 18 wide receivers, however, assuming Ridley rebounds, he's himself. Um, he, he simply makes a team in August because, you know, you've seen receivers that are on the move and then sit out, get cut. Um, I don't think that's the case. But Christian Kirk, I think, is an, an all-star. He's one of the best receivers in the game. Um, I do think he's the alpha male receiver there. He was targeted 23% of the time. And not exactly the most dominant, but when considering he's a slot receiver, uh, it's pretty impressive. He had the fifth most red zone targets out of anybody this year with 22. I think he has that rapport built with Tre Trevor Lawrence. That being said, Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback. Jacksonville has a very promising offense returning. I think there's room for both to be very fantasy valuable. So I'm looking at Kirk right now because I didn't really look at his statistics before this. I see one, two, three, four, five, six games below 10 PPR points. And he played every game this season. He did not miss a game due to injury. That is concerning. When I look at Calvin Ridley's 2020 season, he had eight games over 100 yards and he sat out for two games. So in 14 games, he had 800-yard performances, and he finished as a wide receiver for Kirk was not able to do that with what I think is a better quarterback. I think Trevor Lawrence right now is better than Matt Ryan two years ago. Um, I don't know if that's a crazy thing to say or not. I've never been high on Matt Ryan, but um, it was he's clearly old now. As We saw what he did with the Colts. Um, I don't think much would have changed in two years. What I don't like about your take on Calvin Ridley versus Christian Kirk is Ridley was able to perform as a wide receiver as the wide receiver for with Julio Jones on his team. Christian Kirk this season had his first true wide receiver one season. He's a wide receiver 11 in PPR formats and his best competition was Evan Ingram. But we so haven't seen, that, we haven't seen Calvin Ridley in over two years at this point. It will be the better part of three. I mean, 2020 was three years ago. And Christian Kirk, meanwhile, has had a year under his belt with Trevor Lawrence in the Jacksonville system. I'm not saying it's going to be rocket science and Calvin Ridley is, isn't going to learn the playbook. I'm saying those repetitions and that rapport you build with a, a young quarterback, especially in Trevor Lawrence, I think that's very valuable. And I think that leans in Christian Kirk's favor. Fair enough. I, I understand being scared of him because he hasn't played in two years. I mean, look at what happened with Deshaun Watson when he came back after a very long absence. He was terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really argue it right now. Kind of have to wait and really see what happens in practice when he's finally able to get with the team, read the reports. But as of now, I'm 
very happy to be taking Calvin Ridley if he's going to be discounted. If a lot of people uh, have the same opinion that you carry, I, I think, love taking him around five six. Yeah, I think he's going to be round six. Sounds appropriate. You said round four earlier, and I think that would be too early. And I still think he can be a great value anywhere in those middle rounds. I, I guess it all depends how it plays out. Um, but also, you know, who's to say that Zay Jones isn't the wide receiver too. And Evan Ingram is actually a very good target. That's going to be the consistent third receiving option. And Calvin Ridley's irrelevant. That's definitely in the range of outcomes I can see. One of the, I don't think that's in any range of outcomes, if I'm being honest. I, I can, why would they trade for the guy? Why would they spend anything on him? Because it costed him the Jacksonville Jaguars like a fifth-round pick. And he has a great talent. Did you know that he's as old as Amari Cooper? Yeah, they, they were on the same – they went to the same college and were never on the same team in college. And they're the same age. Absolutely incredible. I'm going to move on to my second guy. We spent a long time debating Calvin Ridley, and we will spend probably a couple more hours until August doing that. That's going to be someone that we disagree on a lot through the offseason. But I'm going to go to my second guy, and it's not just one guy. It's two guys because their performance in 2021 versus 2022 was directly linked. Not a good season for Justin Herbert or Mike Williams. Williams missed essentially five games. He played minimally in two of them. Keenan Allen also missed practically the first 10 weeks of the season, uh, besides a quarter in week one and a quarter in week six-ish. And that definitely hurt Justin Herbert this year. Herbert in 2021, you look back, he was one of two 5,000-yard throwers, second in yards third in touchdowns. He went from 38 passing touchdowns in 21 to 25 this past season. He was a QB two a year ago, averaging 23.3 points per game. This year, he was at the very bottom of the QB one threshold. He was the QB 11 overall. Um, He averaged 17 points per game. Williams was a wide receiver 10 in 2021, wide receiver 31 in 2022. Average just 1.1 less points per game. Um, so really, Mike Williams, he wasn't that bad compared to last year. He would have been the wide receiver 15 if you extrapolate his 12 healthy games over a full season. Um, and he actually averaged more res- receptions and yards per game this year than last year. 0.4 more receptions, one and a half more yards per game. So very on par with his performance the past what year what is happening here <laughs> here's some news can Talking you hear me now? yeah i can hear you and the news i can hear the news <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible okay back on to mike williams though it wasn't a bad season for him if keenan allen leaves this off season mike williams will bounce back in a big way to a new magnitude of success if keenan allen leaves expect allen to be replaced uh the the Chargers have the 21st overall pick. There's JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba from Ohio State, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, Quentin Johnson from TCU, all have been linked to the Chargers and mock drafts. Uh, so regardless, Mike Williams will be an alpha in the room 
and Herbert's going to have two quality targets with or without Keenan Allen. Callan Moore is the new offensive coordinator in LA. With consistency in this receiving core and Herbert's rushing production to rebound, he contributed 38 more points in 2021 than 2022. He should rebound fine, and so should Mike Williams. I think as long as both are healthy, they're going to be fine. And to add to it, Justin Herbert did have offseason non-throwing shoulder surgery, which probably contributed to his disappointment. So those two, Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, I'm expecting health to be a big factor and rebound in the same way that Jonathan Taylor is going to benefit. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that a bounce back is coming for Mike Williams. Um, I don't think that Keenan Allen going somewhere else really boosts Mike up to like a top five wide receiver like a lot of people would think that it, that it would. I think that they operate in separate areas of the field. I don't think that Mike Williams takes a ton of targets additionally if Keenan Allen leaves uh, L.A. Um, if anything, I think that having a guy like Keenan Allen benefits a guy like Mike Williams because Keenan Allen draws so much attention on those um, chain moving plays where Mike Williams is in single coverage deep and he is such a large man that he can just go up and win the ball in that one-on-one coverage. Um, I think that they will get someone to fill that Keenan Allen role if Keenan Allen's gone. So yeah, I don't expect much to change with Mike Williams except hoping that he can stay healthy, Herbert can stay healthy, and then we'll see a great season from the two of them again. Yeah, Mike is, he is not going to have to do everything himself. He's going to have a companion. He's going to have a complimentary wide receiver, whether it's Keenan Allen, a rookie, or someone in free agency or a trade over the offseason. And I just think having two healthy receiving options for Justin Herbert, that's going to reflect in his fantasy production. I mean, you saw he averaged over six points per game less from year over year. Um, Just having your top targets there is going to make a large impact. That being said, do you have anything else to add? Um, I was just going to say it'd be nice if uh, Austin Eckler didn't lead the team in receptions, um, if you're a Mike Williams owner. Yeah, but also I love Eckler, and I wish him all the success that he earns. But yes, it definitely doesn't help having 20% of the targets go to your back. Without further ado, Nick, go ahead and move on to your other wide receiver. My other wide receiver. All right, so I'm going on to Deontay Johnson here. I'm expecting a bounce back from my guy, um, the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh, maybe. Um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. (laughs) I don't know. I could see Pickens uh, outscoring Johnson, depending on your format, depending on your format. I think in PPR – Deontay Johnson outscores Pickens. But anyways, all right, let me get back to this. Wide receiver 39 finish in 2022. Wide receiver 9 in 2021. Definitely did not live up to his draft capital here. People were taking him as their wide receiver two, third, fourth round. Um, He is a great, talented receiver. Still second in the league in drops in 2022. Definitely has to work on fixing that. Um, But regardless, he was... Uh, sixth in targets in the NFL this season in a really bad offense that straight away from the throw. Um, it really picked it up in the second half of the season after their bye week. As I've talked about before, it's the story of the Steelers season. I would expect 
him to still carry a huge target share. He is the chain moving receiver. Um, George Pickens will be the deep threat. He'll get more touchdowns than Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is a slight receiver. He's not a big guy. He's not going to go up and win those things that George Pickens can do. Um, Another thing to mention here is we didn't see any Calvin Austin, the other rookie receiver for the Steelers who started the season off injured. Um, They ended up just wiping his first year. Um, They said uh, Matt Canada said that they were going to wait until his sophomore season to really involve him into the offense. But I don't think that affects Deontay Johnson too much. I think that this offense gets much better. They have a lot of cap space. The O-line improves as they have most skill positions figured out. They can spend money on their O-line. Pickett will be more comfortable in the offense. Deontay Johnson will be his best friend on those second and mediums, first and tens even. He's going to be the first uh, progression in each, the first look in each progression every time he drops back, unless there's a design play for someone else. I don't see how Deontay Johnson can go an entire season without scoring a touchdown again. Um which I just baffles me. He was so close multiple times this season two, went down the one twice. Um, I really do think there's a bounce back coming for Deontay Johnson. And I think you can get him at a cheap price because a lot of people are super high on George Pickens. They think he's a great receiver, which he is, but that'll affect Johnson's draft price. You'll be able to spend less on him. And I really think that you're going to get a bargain. Yeah. I'm anti Steelers, as you know, and generally anti Deontay Johnson but I agree. I think he's going to be on the discount rack for very cheap next year. And he's averaging over 150 targets per season over the past three years. Uh, yeah, the touchdown, I don't want to say luck, but scoring zero touchdowns off 147 targets is very difficult to do. It's not <laughs> going to it's not going to happen again. I mean, he had 20 through his first three seasons. And he is an important piece to this offense who has a second year quarterback uh, returning. And I, I think he's going to be the go-to guy for Kenny Pickett, just as he was for big Ben. Um, maybe it's not back to his top 12 level in 2021, but I could definitely see him ingrained into the top 24, which is a step up where he is. It, I don't think, with a receiver like George Pickens, I don't think Deontay Johnson is going to churn out a hundred yard or a hundred reception season, eleven hundred yards and eight touchdowns like he did again in twenty twenty one. However, he had eighty six receptions this year, nearly nine hundred yards. I think he's going to f- flirt with a thousand yards, and then if he chimes in five touchdowns there, now you're looking at a solid wide receiver two who's probably going to go, frankly, in like the eighth round this year. Yeah, I could see him falling really far in drafts. I don't think that you need to discount all these Steelers weapons. Um, yeah, like you said, it's I don't know how you can go off of 147 targets and have zero touchdowns, but he managed to do it. And I do think that bad luck was definitely involved. A wide receiver one finish I don't think is in store for him this season, this upcoming season. But I could easily see him finishing around where he did in 2020, which was wide receiver 21, 88 catches, 923 yards, seven touchdowns. If that's your second to third receiver, probably your third receiver based on where we think he'll fall in drafts, you'll be extremely happy to have him as a plug and play or as your flex. I'm I'm personally 
buying back into him this upcoming season, whereas I was out this season. I'm going to stay in the division, go to my last guy. Very similar to who I kicked off the episode with in Jonathan Taylor. Um, positional leader in 2021, a disappointing 2022 season. That's Mark Andrews. He was he outscored Travis Kelsey by 30 points in 2021. Um, but this past year, he dealt with an injury of his own, shoulder injury, finished as a tight end four in 2022, averaging four less points per game than the year before. Um, excluding a week, the week eight game where he left after the first drive against Tampa Bay. He started, Andrew started the season on fire. He was averaging 16 points per game through the first six weeks, 33 points ahead of the tight end three on the year. Losing Lamar in week 13 did hurt. Uh, he averaged 12.7 points per game with Lamar versus seven without. Week seven, Andrews had a dud. He failed to catch either of his two targets. That was, let's just assume that was the last game him and Lamar were at 100% with each other. Andrews went down in week eight, missed a game following that. Uh, Lamar dinged up over the bye week. Then he got hurt, uh, missed the final six games of the season or so. And, but so let's extrapolate the first seven games across 17 games, a full season 94 catches, over 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns for Mark Andrews. He didn't score after week six. He scored all, I think he finished the season with six. No, he had five receiving touchdowns through the first six weeks. Didn't score after that point. Um, so what I'm getting at is he's still the top target. He's still Travis Kelsey's biggest rival at the position, assuming Lamar's in the purple and gold next year. And I, I think he's going to be, you're going to be safe drafting Mark Andrews. And he's someone that you can get two rounds later than Travis Kelsey next year. And he might return on roughly the same value when the two were on the field, Lamar and Andrews together healthy to start the season. It looked like Mark Andrews was picking up where he left off from the year before. And I think we're going to see more of the same in the upcoming year. Uh, he had a great game to close the season out, caught all nine targets against Pittsburgh in week 17 and tallied hundred yards it's a good way to end the season on a high note. And I, I see him being a former positional champion returning back to Supreme status. Yeah. I mean, everything in this situation depends completely on Lamar Jackson. I think I think if Lamar's not there, there's plenty of tight ends that I would take over Mark Andrews, even though Mark Andrews is more talented than probably all of them. I'd be going with TJ Hawkinson over Mark Andrews. I'd take, Probably George Kittle over Mark Andrews, just depending on whether or not Lamar is there. I think it's safe to assume that he will be there. I think Lamar is born for Baltimore. It, he just like fits the swagger of the team. Um, I think that John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh wants him back and will restructure other contracts in order to accommodate his quarterback. Um, and if that's the case, Mark Andrews should be the second tight end taken probably a round two to three guy, probably on that turn right there and around two beginning around three. It really is insane to see how much he fell off after Lamar Jackson's injury. And we weren't really expecting that because previously when we've seen Tyler Huntley with Mark Andrews, there wasn't a drop off. There was actually an increase 
in Mark Andrews production. It was like every time Huntley dropped back, the ball was going to Mark Andrews, like it or not. I think Lamar, I think that Lamar will be able to support him again if he is back with the team. I don't think Rashad Bateman hurts him. I mean, we didn't see much of Rashad Bateman this season, but when we did, Mark Andrews was still great. I, I don't think that there's any reason to be afraid of him if Lamar comes back. Yeah, um, you're right the first time, John Harbaugh. But he did make a comment <laughs> that Lamar, Lamar, I get them mixed up all the time. I just call yeah. him Harbaugh. Um, but Lamar is 200% going to be back in Baltimore next year. So it's I'm a mathematic student. I'm a mathematician. And that checks out. I think Lamar is going to be back in the purple and gold. Yeah, uh, let's move on to another Raven here. My last guy I'm expecting a bounce back from, J.K. Dobbins. So it was 2022 was definitely a letdown season, finishes the RB56. Um, he was discounted in a lot of drafts because we didn't know when he'd return. He could have returned anywhere from week one to week eight. Um, that's all we knew when the season started. So people were scared to pick him up. But if you did pick him up, you're probably pissed off because he really didn't get any return until late in the season. Um he came back early in week three, earlier than we all expected. I actually traded for him with you. Um, and I was super excited after his second week when he scored two touchdowns. I was like, oh, sweet. I got a bargain here. I got my second running back. I'm set. Then it, nothing happens in week five. And then he gets surgery shortly after um, to fix up his knee that was absolutely destroyed the previous year. Well, actually two years ago, this was a super long injury. Um, I think he tore everything in his knee, but when he eventually came back to end the 2022 season, he averaged seven yards per carry four games. Um, he returned for four games, three of them. He had above 93 yards. Two of them. He had uh, over a hundred yards. He looked like a beast. He wasn't really involved in the receiving game. Never tallied over more than one reception. Once he came back, um, he only actually only had one reception in one game once he came back. I think that will change because he was seeing limited work. Um, they wanted to keep him healthy, hopefully for a playoff push, and they did. He performed well in the playoffs, but they were not able to get past their division rival, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but just based off this tiny sample we have, that four-game sample where he just absolutely balled out, um, really was untouchable. He was breaking off big runs every single week. I think that the same thing happens this year, except he gets more volume because face the facts, he's better than Gus Edwards, who will still be there in 2023. But now that both of them are healthy, I think that they lean more into J.K. Dobbins just as he's the better player, especially if Lamar is still there. This offense is probably going to roll like it used to. I would expect Dobbins to have a really big season. You can't forget how good he was two years ago. Dude, he still was really good this past year. Fourth highest true yards per carry. Um, the ninth highest yards per touch in the league among running backs. Second highest juke rate. So he evaded a tackle on 43% of his touches. That's pretty damn good. Forced 43 missed tackles off just 92 carries this past year. 11% of his runs went for 15 or more yards. I mean, he's still the same guy ripping off chunks left and right. And that's against the highest stack front rate so he's on 36 percent of his carries went against a defense with eight or more guys in the box that was by far the highest in the league i mean even when defenses are loading up against him baltimore is finding ways to get him through the hole 
Um, really electric running back that I think if he plays a full season, he's just a slam dunk. It's going to be hard to imagine he's not approaching RB1 territory. Yeah, I bet you he still gets drafted low too, just because we hardly saw any of him. Like if if you got the balls to trust a four-game sample size, which I think I do because I trust the offense and I trust them giving him enough work, um, I think it'll really pay off because you'll – like all a, a common trend with this uh, episode that we're doing here, the bounce back players is you're going to get a lot of these guys late because I mean, they're bouncing back because they had a bad showing their previous year, or in this case, a limited showing. I don't I know, Nick. Re- Nick, you, you think uh, he's not going late? Well, like we're willing to draft him in the fourth or fifth round last year coming off that debilitating knee injury. And now two years later, do you think he'll be drafted around the same area? Like, I don't know. I can't, I can't see him. If I was willing to draft him, I'm not certain that he would play at all this past season in the fourth round. I feel like I would be willing to draft JK in round three or two. I'm not taking him that high. I, I think that there's better players in those rounds. Um, I think that what's super appealing with him is he'll be a great running back and you'll, I think he'll tend to go around round four, round five, and you'll get, that's the running back dead zone, the very beginning of it. Um, we saw guys succeed there. We saw guys fall off there. Um, I think that he'll be one of the ones that definitely succeeds, could definitely finish as an RB1. I, I It'll be interesting to monitor his ADP, how it fluctuates as we get closer to the season. But right now, I don't I, I don't see where why he'd be going as early as the second round. We need to rip some mocks here soon, dude. Figure out where all these guys are going. Um, it's hard I, to for the draft. Yeah, it is. And free agency. I mean, yeah. it's really pointless. A lot shakes up. Um, but there's one name that we didn't include on this list that if I were to tell 90% of the fantasy football community the topic, they would assume he would be one of the first three guys mentioned. That's Debo Samuel. He was a wide receiver two in 2021, wide receiver 38 this past year. Missed four games because of that knee or ankle injury. Um, but I am a skeptic about Debo Samuel. And here's why. He was a wide receiver, 25 in points per game. Um, how much will that improve, really? Like, he, I don't think he's an, an elite option at the position. Brock Purdy is probably going to be the starting quarterback. If not, it's Trey Lance. But you now have Brandon Ayuk, who broke out in a big way this past year. Um, if it's Purdy, Purdy's really comfortable with George Kittle. Kittle had seven touchdowns in the final four games of the season. Uh, but Debo, indiv- independent from his teammates, he only had two games as a top 20 weekly wide receiver compared to 12 games of such in 2021. He averaged seven less yards per reception compared to the previous year when he led the league, averaging over 18 yards per catch. Um, I don't know how I feel about him. Obviously, I think he's a really freaking good wide receiver. Like, there's not many players that are better with the ball in their hands than Debo Samuel. Um, But in this offense that's kind of oversaturated with Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, and Debo Samuel, I don't know. What are your expectations for Debo Samuel next year? Well, I think regardless of who the quarterback is, whether it's Purdy or Lance, 
Um, we won't see him return to wide receiver one status. I think the best case scenario is a low end wide receiver two, just because there are so many options and your quarterback play will be subpar to average at best. Um, I could see him finishing as like wide receiver 20 to 24, somewhere in that range. I'm not confident in the quarterback play. So if I were to, if you were to guess right now, um, all things go well, both are healthy, Purdy and Lance, who starts week one? I think it has to be Brock Purdy after what he showed this past year. However, he's getting UCL surgery, and I don't know if that's like Tommy John pretty much. I don't know if he'll be ready uh, by week one. Six to ten times, Ben. Six to ten months? Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to be ready for next season. Um, Trey Lance, that's no guarantee either. I mean, he tore what, his ACL? He broke his ankle broke his ankle okay so he's probably he's gonna be ready um earlier in the offseason i would guess trey lance just purely based on health um i guess trey lance too um i i think that they if anything they want to showcase um the high draft capital guy that they spent a high pick on and if you're in this offense you will look good on paper so if they can just get him on the field and make him look good they can either trade him or even look to get rid of Purdy if they had to, if they could get anything for him based on what he did this season. But I think you need to showcase Lance somewhat just to show that he does have value. Debo is going to be one of the most complex players to evaluate for next year. I would say he can finish as high as Brandon. I did wide receiver 15 this year. Um, But yeah, I, I, think his ceiling is capped at that high-end wide receiver two area. Um, There's just too many target hogs in this offense uh, that you you see. I mean, Christian Caffrey averaged six targets per game. Ayuk averaged over six and a half per game. Kittle started coming on late in the season. I don't know about Deepa Samuel, um, but right now I'm I'm not willing to say that he's going to bounce back from wide receiver 25 and points per game. I could very well see him maintaining that positioning. And whoever the quarterback is, it doesn't matter. I don't think like what you're hoping for with Debo is that he can get the ball in his hands and make a play. You can't expect the guy to break a 50 yard touchdown every play every week, even like there's going to be terrible leaks for Debo, just like there were this season. Like he need, he's not going to get the volume. He's not going to get a perfectly thrown 40-yard bomb where he can just pace the secondary and catch it in stride and go to the end zone. He's going to get a slant or he's going to get a carry or he's going to get a screen that he's expected to take the distance. And that is not something I want to rely on for fantasy. It's a screen, too. I can see it when my eyes are closed with Debo Samuel. It's always a screen. Mm -hmm. And the linemen come out. And you're hoping he goes 60 yards. Um, he has cantaloupe for quad. Yeah, literally. Um, so that's going to be it. I, I don't have anything else to add to this topic. Do you? Nope, I'm all good. Okay. Um, good segment. We'll make sure to keep the content fresh over this off season. We have six months to prepare, baby. Um, so hang with us if you have any recommendations or suggestions for a topic that you want to hear us cover. 
contact us Wagme at Wagme fantasy is our handle um twitter tiktok facebook youtube instagram now too or email us football at wagmefantasy.com um otherwise that's it take care guys 